You're listening to Like Flint Radio, part of the Revelations Radio Network. Welcome to Like Flint Radio. I'm your host, GK. You can find us on the web at www.likeflintradio.com. In this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Lawrence Mickeytook about his article in the Biblical Archaeology Review entitled, Did Jesus Exist? Searching for Evidence Beyond the Bible. And we will also be talking about topics surrounding this article. But for now, I'd like to bring uh, Dr. Mickey Took on. So for the first time on Like Flint Radio, welcome Dr. Lawrence Mickey Took. Thank you. Glad to meet you, Carl. Thank you. Thanks for agreeing to come on board. Um, I've been trying to talk to you for a little while. As you know, we had to have a couple of goes at setting this up, but at last we've got you here. Before we get into the meat of our topic here, can you just tell our audience a bit about yourself and what you do, please? Oh, yes. Um, <clears throat> what I call my day job in academe is at Purdue University in uh, Indiana in the, in the U.S., and uh, it's, um, I'm, a, I'm the history librarian. Uh, so I, I, my, I tell people my job is to keep the historians on campus supplied with all they want and soothed before it gets here. Um, I also consult with people uh, maybe a couple hundred people a year, on their individual research for their term papers or whatever. Um, let's see. I, um, my background really is in Old Testament, and uh, that's, that's what I have a doctorate in. So um, writing an article on anything about the New Testament was sort of an excursion for me. So I, I just went to the experts on it and uh, wrote this article. All righty, thanks for that. Um, now, we're going to put a link to this article uh, of yours in the show notes of uh, of our um, show, but can you just tell us, give us a brief overview of what the article is about and why you decided to write it? Uh, yes. <clears throat> well, the reason I decided to write it is the uh, I had published an article in Biblical Archaeology Review uh, with, I'll call it BAR, okay, and uh, in which I essentially published my research, my doctoral research, and I established the existence of uh, 50 people in the Old Testament. Actually, secretly 52, because um, I missed I missed the de- the publishing deadline with the last two, so they they published it as. I saw that in the notes, Larry. Yeah, and um, I just will tell people I will put that in our show notes as well because it is a great reference um, that list. So sorry, continue. Thank you. Yeah, so um, the editor of the magazine liked the article, and there were a lot of comments on it on the web. BAR has a website. And uh, mm. um, then and then he said, well, uh, he liked that, and people seem to be interested, so why don't you do uh, the New Testament? So I, there I was. I volunteered to do the whole New Testament just at his suggestion. And uh, then... I told him, uh, that's going to take about a year and a half to research. And he said, oh, why don't you just do Jesus? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was a convenient uh, uh, dodge uh, for, uh, for a huge job. He still wants me to do the rest of the people in the New Testament, but that's going to take a long time. Yeah. And uh, are you working on that currently? 
Uh, no, actually, I had <laughs> I had a couple of other articles to to submit, and one I submitted okay. in the wee hours this morning. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we might talk to you about that uh, later on and get a bit of a scoop for mm-hmm. uh, for our listeners. But um, uh, in in this article that we're going to be talking about today, you mentioned Tacitus and Josephus, and um and I think they would be expected to be mentioned. Um, could you give us uh, just a really brief overview of those two and why they are quite often mentioned in discussions like this? And then we'll move on to the third person that you talk about, which I'm a bit more keen to talk about. Okay, good. Yes, uh, Tacitus uh, was uh, one of the best Roman historians, um, and he has a, a small passage where he's explaining why Nero essentially uh, burned Christians to death. And he, he blamed the burning of Rome on them. And then he, he, had, to, uh, he had to explain, well, well, who are these Christians all about? And actually, uh, the crowd, or what, what Tacitus calls the vulgus, the, the vulgar people out there in the streets, the Roman mob, uh, they, um, they called the Christians Christians with an E instead of an I. Right. And he corrects their, their uh, spelling by saying, no, no, they're, they're the followers of Christus. And then he explains who, just briefly who Christus was. So uh, it's a throwaway reference. So he had no real reason to give the usual prejudicial approval or disapproval that, it, that uh, Roman authors, uh, historians especially, frequently did. He just mentions, uh, who, who is this Jesus? And he, interestingly, he doesn't seem to know Jesus' first name. <laughs> okay? He doesn't know the name Jesus. He right. calls him Christus, always, as if that were his name. Uh, anyhow, so, and he says, uh, he was, oh yeah, he was, uh, he was given the extreme punishment, which means crucifixion, mm-hmm. uh, during the uh, the governorship of Pilate under the when uh, Tiberius was the emperor, and then he goes on. So it's it's just to explain this thing about uh, to the Christians and why. And then he corrects their their mispronunciation the mispronunciation the Romans used. Uh, just to as a sort of a sidelight on on the bigger story of how bad Nero was. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and the nice thing about it is cause it, the passage isn't really about Jesus. And so he just gives this little bitty tidbit of a reference. Right. And that's what historians love because those little side, side references where they just somebody just briefly explains because mm-hmm. they didn't have the footnote in those days. Yes. Uh, it was right in the text. And uh, they, they, historians love that because that, that tends to be very reliable information. Okay. Um, and the other, um, the other author, Josephus. Okay, so here's uh, uh, Tacitus, who's a Roman historian, mm-hmm. uh, and then there's Josephus, who's a, a Jewish historian who actually was a turncoat, yeah. uh, who uh, surrendered to the Romans. And uh, uh, interestingly, he he predicted that the the general to whom he surrendered would become emperor. When it became true, when the when the uh, Vespasian was made emperor, uh, he looked on Josephus' prediction as sort of some sort of prophecy. Right. And so he, he had kind of adopted Josephus, and Josephus took their family name, Flavius. Yes. So he was, now, nowadays he's known as Flavius Josephus, and he became a total, totally Romanized Jew. Uh, most Jews of, uh, of the day looked on, on Josephus as a despicable traitor, right. because it was uh, Vespasian's son, Titus, who uh, uh, destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed 
the temple of Herod. Yeah. So then there was no more temple, that AD 70. Yeah. So, uh, anyhow, so Josephus then wrote uh, two major works, The Wars of the Jews and Jewish Antiquities. And again, uh, in Book 20, he gives us a little sidelight where he says, and this is another throwaway reference, and there's as a as uh, historians tell us, those are usually very reliable. Right. Uh, he's, he tried to explain why a certain high priest, Ananus, uh, was um, deposed from being high priest. And he says it's because he still, he, he, he killed James. Okay? Um, and, and then he had to explain who is this James. Well, James was one of the leaders of the early church. And he says, this James... Uh, was the son of Joseph, and because those are two, and actually the, the name that we use as James in ancient times was Jacob, yes, okay? Yes. It metamorphosed into James. But, so here's Jacob, the son of Joseph, and those are very common names in ancient Palestine. So then he had to explain, well, which James, the son of Joseph, okay? And they said, oh, this is the brother of Jesus, but the problem is Jesus was the name a lot of people had also. Uh, some people count 21, some people count 12, G- other Jesuses in the, in the writings of Josephus. Right. So, so then he had to explain, well, this Josephus, uh, Josephus had to explain, this James, the son of Joseph, the brother of Jesus, who was called Christ, okay, or the Messiah. Right. And then you get the, the, the sense that Josephus was giving a reference that everyone would be a little bit familiar with, okay, mm. uh, at least everyone in Palestine. So that's a throwaway reference. He's identifying which James, the son of Joseph, by saying he had this famous brother who was called the Messiah. Okay. Uh, So those little throwaway references are uh, are just precious. They they do the job. Right. And um, in your article, you also point out, and and I noticed the the uh, Josephus uh, section does go fairly into depth uh, as to why it's important. Also, the Tacitus one does as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and also a point out before we move on to that, the list of references and uh, footnotes that you have is also very, very useful. There are a lot of them as well, and I often go to those myself when researching because you, you, you look where the author has been, don't you, you know, and, and find out where they got their information from. So I found that very useful as well. Did you have a comment on that before we moved on? Uh, yes, um, you, you can go to the Biblical Archaeology Review website, mm-hmm. and you'll find the entire article uh, in there, and in, in, well, all the color pictures and all that. Yes. And then that has the footnotes. Yes. Actually, if you buy the magazine, you don't get the footnotes. All you get is the article. So ah. the, the website is actually better. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'll put the link in our, uh, in our on our web page when we put this up. Okay, great. So once great. once we put this yes. on the web, you'll be able to just go straight to our web page. Go to the show notes for this discussion, and you'd be able to click directly on the link and go straight there. So, not a problem. Great. I was, I was going to say that most people are interested in the references to Jesus outside the Bible, and there are a lot yes. of them. Yes. I just chose uh, three that I thought were especially yes. uh, reliable. Uh, and I think you're, you wanted to ask about Lucian. I do, I do. I do. I wanted to go to Lucian of Samosata. Uh, and yes. you say that uh, he lives, uh, you know, circa 115 so to 200. So if I can just read a little bit from your article, then that'll give people, people a bit of a, a flavour for it too. Uh, and then we can talk about him a little bit. Um, so Lucian of Samosata was a Greek satirist who wrote The Passing of Peregrinus about a former Christian who later became a famous cynic 
and revolutionary and died in 165 CE. In two sections of Peregrinus, here translated by Craig A. Evans, Lucian, while discussing Peregrinus's career without naming Jesus, clearly refers to him, albeit with contempt in the midst of satire. So I'm going to read that as well because it's interesting. It was then that he learned the marvellous wisdom of the Christians by associating with their priests and scribes in Palestine. And what else? In short order, he made them look like children, for he was a prophet, cult leader, head of the congregation and everything, and all, all by himself. He interpreted and explained some of their books and wrote many himself. They revered him as a god, used him as a lawgiver, and set him down as a protector. To be sure, after that other whom they still worship, the man who was crucified in Palestine, because he, he introduced this new cult into the world. For having convinced themselves that they are going to be immortal and live forever, the poor wretches despise death and most even willingly give themselves up. Furthermore, their first lawgiver persuaded them that they are all brothers of one another after they have transgressed once for all by, by denying the Greek gods and by worshipping that crucified sophist himself and living according to his his laws, um, I, I like this one. Um, this is uh, this one will probably explain. Uh, I think more as you've explained why you um, uh, say the side issues are sort of better. But I'll let you do that, um, uh, Larry. Uh, can you tell us why this one's um, such a good one to use uh, for evidence for Jesus beyond the Bible? Uh, yes, actually, uh, he. Uh, he is a, a satirist. He's Greek, so you have a Greek, a Roman, right, right. and a, a Jew. Um, uh, he's interesting because he seems to know some things about Christians, mm. but he apparently never read the books because he talks about their priests and scribes in Palestine. Right. And as far as we know, the early church didn't have priests and scribes in Palestine. They they were like uh, they were in make probably what we would call house churches. Right. And uh, they were. Um, uh, in some in some instances, they were actually hiding from uh, the peering eyes of the Roman rulers, uh, so they wouldn't be punished uh, for uh, being Christians. In this next section, Doctor Mikatuk was, of course, talking about Celsus, who was a friend of Lucian's, not Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger was friends with Tacitus. In an email to me, Doctor Mikatuk said that he looks on Lucian as an independent source, because apart from knowing that Jesus was crucified, which seems to have been common knowledge, he has a real shortage of correct information about him, which he could have gotten from Christians. In a similar way, the fact that Tacitus did not seem to know Jesus' personal name, but instead seems to have thought his name was Christus, suggests that although he likely questioned Christians on trial, he apparently did not trust their te testimony unless they incriminated themselves. Now, I'll have a little more to say about Larry's email at the end of the show, so stay tuned for that. But anyway, let's continue with the show with the understanding that in this segment, Larry meant to uh, talk about Celsus and not Pliny. Um, he uh, apparently, uh, this is one thing I learned from uh, the the atheist critics. Apparently, he was familiar with another uh, another source, and I 
not sure if I, I did name that other source here. Straight to, uh, no, uh, Pliny the Younger, who was a, a Roman governor in Asia Minor, today modern Turkey. Um, so apparently they knew each other, and Pliny uh, actually was in charge of trials of Christians who refused to offer incense to the emperor. Yes. Uh, and that, that was like... Uh, high treason, yes. and they, they could be severely punished for it. So um, Lucian might have gotten some information from uh, uh, Pliny the Younger, but uh, we don't actually know what his sources were. But the interesting is, thing is, he didn't appear to have uh, direct uh, information from Christians. Says he gets everything wrong. He apparently didn't read, read their, their books. Uh, but he loves mocking them. Okay, this is he just looked them as some sort of bunch of kooks who were scattered around, and and so he really enjoyed uh, making fun of them and their crucified sophist. Uh, that term is an insult. It's somebody who teaches only for money, and will pretty much teach whatever whatever you want him to teach from whatever viewpoint you want to. Okay, and it also means uh, also it implies that they're they're. Um, they're cheaters. They're swindlers. Right. And to be crucified was a, an extreme disgrace. Mm -hmm. So he he piles that on. He calls him a sophist and says, "Oh, by the way, he was crucified." <laughs> you know, and they 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 worship him as a god. You know, what fools. So you know. Lucian has a lot of fun at the Christians' expense, but in the meantime, he verifies the existence of Jesus in a sense. Because he says he speaks of him as a real person, no reason to doubt that, and uh, makes fun of him. If Jesus never existed, why would he do this? To me, it's reliable, but because it's not "quote unquote" contaminated by Christian sources <laughs> with, with good info. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, because he gets it all wrong, uh, he seems to be, uh, ironically, uh, a little more reliable as, as an independent source um, when it comes to Jesus. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah. Right. Well, well, people can read that for themselves. I like it. It's a it's a good reference. And like I say, uh, people will be able to read the article because it'll be in our uh, in the show notes of of this show. Um, and also, they'll be able to see the extensive notes that you provide in the article, which you've pointed out, are only available on the web, which is great. I'd like to turn now to some critical responses that your article has received. And you wrote to me about this and explained that some of your critics are mythicists. So before we move on and talk about the criticism, can you tell us who don't know what a mythicist is, what one is, and uh, and then we can talk about um, the the critique. Yes, thank you. That's, it's great to define the terms for us. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate that, yeah. Gareth. Uh, uh, myth, uh, mythicist, uh, it begins with M-Y-T-H. Right. Uh, and they believe that um, it is it is a kind of belief that, that Jesus was, although he never existed, he was sort of uh, put together as a fictional character that some some foolish people eventually believed in uh, from ancient myths because there were uh, uh, ancient uh, figures in mythology who were who did die and did rise and uh, they they sort of assemble a G, that someone in ancient times assembled all these wonderful myths and uh, put them all together and came up with Jesus yes. um, it, it's interesting to me that uh, one of the mythicists that I've read uh, believes that the, the references uh, refer to 
uh, a Jesus who was not on earth but in some sort of heavenly realm and died and uh, was crucified there and then rose in some sort of celestial uh, existence but never was on earth. And that that just takes more faith than I've got. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, so now can we talk about some of the uh, uh, criticism that you've received? Uh, yes. Um, there's there are actually quite a few. Let's say maybe a dozen people who uh, publish um, books and you know, things on the web, and they they mm. give lectures and they have they have speaking tours. And so on, where they they uh, proclaim that Jesus never existed. Yeah. Uh, one of them that who took the time to uh, let's say lambast mm. my mm. my article was a, a young man named Richard Carrier. Right. Um, and uh, he has a, a doctorate in uh, in classical studies in philosophy. So he's more he's actually more he's he spent more time studying that era than I have. Right. Okay, I'm an Old Testament guy. Right. So I relied on on the New Testament specialists who who talked about uh, Jesus' existence and the, the different evidences. Yes. So Carrier on his blog uh, he he published. Um, Oh, just different criticisms, and I, uh, according to the, the the blog, I never, I just didn't get anything right, uh, right, and obviously uh, the reference in Tacitus couldn't be right because, well, Roman Roman historians are just not reliable. I, I'm not sure how how they how they can um, try to invalidate that little throwaway references because that, that's a strong that's strong evidence. So apparently the Romans got it all wrong about Julius Caesar and Augustus and all the ones that we're familiar with and you just can't rely on them. Um, I was going to say that, Larry, that, okay, well then that means uh, we might as well throw all of our history books out and, and, and I don't know, start again. Yeah, it's something, it's something. Carrier tries to use it that way. Mm. He relies on a really prestigious senior scholar named Michael Grant, G-R-A-N-T. Mm -hmm. And uh, Grant says, you know, a lot of things these classical scholars, uh, excuse me, these classical historians mm. uh, said were just reflections of their own prejudices and um, you can't trust everything they say, okay? Mm. Uh, sure, fine. Uh, but these, these little sidelight references that, would, if we if they were published today, would be in a footnote. Uh, those are different. Tacitus didn't um, vent on on Christ and say what a bad guy he was and how he was endangering Rome and right. the Roman gods would be angry if these worship of worshippers called Christians, you know, hung around too much. Uh, so yeah, so it Grant in in the same book says. But you you can work with these these histo Roman historians to come up with some factual evidence, factual things right. about the Roman Empire and their times. So even Grant doesn't want to throw it all away. Right, right. Uh, and and so, uh, but Carrier tries to use it that that way uh, in this one instance because mm -hmm. it it affirms the existence of Jesus. Uh, my response is. Tacitus was too good a historian to talk about the real execution of someone who never existed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, well, well, one thing I was going to say, in your article you note, and uh, I'll, I'll read this again um, with your permission, 
Sure. But um, you note, and I quote, the sources normally discussed fall into three main categories. One, classical, that is Greco-Roman. Two, Jewish. And three, Christian. But when people ask whether it is possible to prove that Jesus of Nazareth actually existed, as John P. Meyer pointed out decades ago, the implication is that the biblical evidence for Jesus is biased because it is encased in a theological text written by committed believers. What they really want to know is, is there extra biblical evidence for Jesus' existence? Therefore, this article will cover classical and Jewish writings almost exclusively. So, um, therefore, I take from that that you deliberately um, uh, went for, uh, uh, let's say, category um, one and and two and left out the Christian sources so that you wouldn't have a have your bias because obviously you're a believer, Larry. Yes. I know it seems rather obvious, but I'm just pointing it out that, you know, you you could have been more biased than you were, um, but you've um, made a very good job of uh, using the sources outside of our Bible, outside of what we could be accused of. Well, those guys are just believers. It's just their faith. Yeah. And yeah. Let's, all, let's all move on and look at something else, you know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if I could share something about about my own experience, uh, I was raised as a good church, church person, and uh, I'm sure I was a Christian because I wasn't a Muslim, I wasn't a Hindu, right. and uh, and I knew I, what I was supposed to believe. I didn't just didn't have a personal reliance on Jesus. Right. So, and then I ran into a bunch of people who were studying the Bible, and they they actually seemed to like buy into this stuff. Mm. And I really wanted to believe it because we, we studied the Gospel of John, and there are all these wonderful promises. You know, yeah. who believes in me has eternal life, and that kind of thing. I thought yeah. that's that's amazing. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I really wanted to believe, but I I I didn't have the evidence. How could I know this was true? Okay, so here I was wanting to be a believer, but I, I didn't, I didn't have any uh, any uh, any place to sort of ground my faith. Yes. And then I I ran into Psalm 22. I actually heard an exposition of Psalm 20, uh, second 22nd Psalm. Yeah. And it it's a graphic picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. It it, it starts out, My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Which is what Jesus said on the cross. And then it talks about, um, I, I cry in the day and in the night. And, you know, it was, not, it was daytime, and then at 12 noon, it turned dark. And so it was day and night. Uh, and then he talks about being surrounded by people who were mocking him and mm-hmm. uh, yelling at him. And he, he describes them as beasts in the Psalms. Uh, and then there, there's one sort of controversial verse in there that says, They pierced my hands and my feet. Yes. That was one verse I was really interested in, in as a Hebrew scholar. Okay, yeah. and uh, it it does. How can I say it? The the alternative translation is as a lion, my hands and my feet. So what would a lion do to your hands and your feet? Okay, so the, the idea is they you they they were they were destroyed. Your your hands and feet are useless. They're painful. Okay, they're wounded. Right. Uh, so uh, either either translation, and uh, I could I could go either way. Although pierced, you know, does fit into the Christian uh, gospel. Yes. Um, so just, and it, it's a graphic picture of the crucifixion. And then in the middle of the psalm, it changes the whole tone, and it says, "I will declare your name to my brethren." Okay. And this is this assumes that somehow the, all that turmoil in the earlier verses has gone away, and mm. then 
then it, uh, whoever it was, this suffering person in Psalm 22, suddenly wants to praise God, and he's with a congregation of, of other people who believe in him. Yeah. And it's, it, to me, it assumes the resurrection. Okay? Yeah. So if you look at Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, it's hard to argue that it wasn't Jesus from, yeah. from where I was coming from. I was yeah. raised as a Christian. I, you know, so I knew that was, that's what I was supposed to believe. But this actually gave me ground to right. believe on it because right. Psalm, Psalm 22 is a Psalm of David. Uh, that's ambiguous too. It could have been written in about 1000 BC by David, or it could have been in David's possession. It could have been dedicated to him, but it was translated BC into Greek. So we have, we, we know it, it had to exist before Christ. Yeah. So uh, that, that to me is fulfilled prophecy. Right. Right. Agree. And, yes. And once, once I heard that sermon on Psalm 22, I was a believer. Yes. But the interesting thing is people discount all oh, those people are believers. Well, not every believer just sort of mindlessly buys in. I'm sure that a lot of other people had questions that had to be answered before they were, you know, had, had any ground for belief. Well, um, I, I was a believer. I have a, well, not the same, but a, a similar story in that um, I, I was a believer for many years, but I wasn't 100% certain what, what I was supposed to believe uh, because uh, we had uh, weren't going to the, the, let's just say, the best Bible-based churches. And, and um, so I really wanted to know what the Bible said. And, and, and really, I, I guess in a way, I set out to disprove it for myself once and for all, whether... I could trust this thing that we we all um, base our faith upon. I uh, that's how I ended up, as I told you earlier, um, uh, went and learned the the Kine Greek with um, um, Dr. Heiser. Um, that was part of my journey um, because I wanted to. Okay, if I'm going to read this thing, I want to know what as close as I can to what it originally said. Uh, and, I, and, and because well because I wanted to, I was sitting out okay I'm either going to believe this and put it into action or I'm going to disprove it and I'm going to move on because I spent a lot of time in the wilderness wandering around wondering what we really believe and who we really are and it was from that that I had a major change in my life in that okay so I'm I'm you know I became uh, more sure of what I believed from um, you know learning to read at least New Testament and Greek. Um, because I do understand, and I've looked into this a bit myself, that there aren't too many arguments about the Old Testament. It's the New Testament that most people want to argue against. Um, oh, yes. Yes. And so that's why I thought, okay. And plus, to be honest with you, I don't know if I had it in me to to learn the, <laughs> learn the Hebrew. Um, I, I have a little bit of com- conversational Hebrew. Um, you know, I have been to Israel and... Uh, uh, my wife's brother lived there for a year, so I've got a little bit of conversational, but whether I could read or uh, read or write it was another thing. Um, so, yeah, and that was a number of years ago, but that really gave me, um, when I could read that in the Greek, uh, it made me study the Bible more. Uh, I always say this to point out, you don't have to read the um, Bible in Hebrew or Greek to know what it's talking about. We do right. have very good translations. I must point that out. But for me, for my personal journey and the sort of person I am, I just had to know what I was reading, and that's why I did it. But that made me study it even closer in English, can I say. So uh, it, it was, you know, um, something that was uh, a continual thing that went on from there, and that's how I um, uh, came to really want to know more and I think really became a believer uh, and realising that I do believe and I can give a reason why I believe. Uh, rather than, well, you know, I went to church one day, heard a good sermon and thought, hey, this sounds good. 
Uh, and, and I'm not, and I'm not knocking that either. If you know what I mean, no, but you no. do get people that are like me and possibly like yourself. That hey, listen, I really want to know what this is talking about, uh, and I just find it increases my faith. Um, and also, you know, when I read articles like yours, um, they bolster our faith. You know what I mean? It's not going to change the fact that I do know who Jesus is uh, and he is my saviour, uh, but it bolsters it, doesn't it? Do you, would you agree with that? Yes. Oh, yes. Right. Uh, for thinking people, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, who, who are, I'm going to say it, we're, we have the blessing and curse of being inclusive and wanting to know the sources uh yeah whenever i read the bible i want to know in in english i want to know what does it really say in the original language right so so i have to do more work okay uh but yeah uh, and some people bless their hearts they can hear it and say this is this is great you know and i have I, i buy into it you know jesus is the most wonderful person i ever heard about and, you know, if he didn't exist, well, you know, we might as well give up, as Paul says. If he didn't rise from the dead, you know, we're, all, we're of all people most miserable. Uh, anything else you wanted to discuss about the critiques, critics? I actually learned a lot from them. Uh, they don't always phrase things in the gentlest way. But right. there's one guy, let's see, his name is Neil Godfrey, and mm-hmm. he is a teacher. And right. he actually criticizes Carrier for Carrier's, uh, shall we say, vocabulary on his blog. Right. But uh, he he actually gave me some good um, references to look up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually profited a lot from reading his blog. Uh, it was a little harder to take uh, Richard Carrier's blog uh, as, as, oh, boy, I really need to study this stuff because he was slinging a lot of adjectives around but um, that's the one where there's no colorful language used isn't it larry yeah yeah richard richard is still a young man and you know he wants to be brash and okay fine right. okay. uh but neil godfrey's uh v-r-i-d-a-r vridar uh neil is just as much an atheist as richard but i actually learned some some good sources that i i need to look look at frankly right. from them Right. So I'm, I'm willing to learn from them, and uh, frankly, uh, Neil is a good a good teacher. So right. uh, he he uh, he had a few adjectives that kind of uh, were not complimentary, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. If I can profit from reading his blog, blog, I, I'm going to do that. Right. It's interesting to me that the the, the folks who uh, want to believe that Jesus did not exist, mm-hmm. hang out together, they reinforce each other. Right. Um, Carrier talks about being financially supported by people who want him to you know, speak in different places. And so uh, there's kind of this fellowship of unbelief, if I may say, call it that way. Yeah. Um, so I can, can we say sharp, sharpened you a bit, sharpened your, your, your message a bit? Yes, uh, the proverb, iron sharpens iron, right, right. and the modern commentary is jello does not sharpen jello. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Right. so they, they've actually helped me, and uh, you know, I pray for Richard Carrier and uh, Neil sure. Godfrey, because right. these are sharp minds. And, sure. uh, and also, well, you mentioned um, about uh, uh, Bart Ehrman. Um, was it a video uh, yes. you wanted to talk about? Yes, actually, I just I just looked up. Let's see, I have it on the, my computer screen here, and I'm going to look up. I did where he responds to. Uh, essentially, it, it sounds like a, a 
a an audience that has a lot of atheists, uh, and he he affirms Jesus existed. Ehrman is interesting because he started out as a an evangelical believer, yes. and now he's agnostic. Yes. But he's still, a, you know, he's 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 always been a, a very good scholar. Yes. And he he says, you know, uh, you folks are embarrassing yourselves because there isn't anybody who occupies a, an academic post. And he named, you know, the different kinds, you know, secular university or, or um, religious college or whatever. Uh, and he said nobody else goes in for this. Jesus did not exist. Right. Um, and then he talks about the sources. He says there are too many sources from ancient times that, that assume Jesus existed or that affirm it. And then he says one of them knew um, the brother of Jesus, James, and he knew, knew St. Peter, knew Peter, you know, uh, upon whom uh, uh, that Jesus was talking to when he said, uh, on this rock I will build my church. So yes. um, he says, now, if it, <laughs> he has this great line, Bart Ehrman, bless your heart. He says, he says now, if, if uh, this author had known James, you, you would think that James would know that his brother did not exist. Okay. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and interestingly, that person gives us the earliest writings in the New Testament. It was Paul. Paul knew, knew James. He knew Peter. And, uh, gosh, he had, had arguments with Peter. Okay, uh, So it was, it's hard to get away from that uh, when these are, these are written by someone who lit, was living during the time of Jesus. Okay, He, he was a, an overlap. His life overlapped with the life of Jesus. Yes. Uh, and and he, uh, he experienced conversion and ended up preaching the, the faith that he'd once persecuted. It's very hard to explain Paul if Jesus didn't exist. Right. No, 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 that's, that's a good point. Um, do, if you think it worthy, um, you could send me that link and I could put that in the show notes as well for that Love YouTube to. I will video. do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a short clip. It's uh, less than two and a half minutes. Okay. And, uh, All right, yeah, yeah, send me that and I'll put it in the notes and people can go and look at that as well. Uh, well, there is an interesting dialogue between um, Richard Carrier and... Uh, Mark Goodacre, G-O-D-A-C-R-E, okay? Mm -hmm. And I can give you the link for that. But sure. it's interesting to me that Carrier is polite. He's mm -hmm. uh, respectful. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark Goodacre is one of the top New Testament scholars, frankly. Right. And he has, he has a, a website where you can look up New Testament verses or Bible verses. And okay. Anyhow, Mark Goodacre and, uh, and uh, Richard Carrier had this uh, conversation that was moderated uh, and Goodacre was on the phone. Mark, uh, Mark Goodacre was on the phone, and uh, Richard Carrier was there in person. Uh, and uh, it's it's a recording, it's a sound recording. But uh, it uh, Richard Carrier sounds entirely different there. Right, right. He's he's he says, well, I, I can't expect you to believe what I'm saying because I haven't I haven't published and given you the references yet. Okay, okay. and that, that's entirely different from the scoffing that <laughs> he did in his private blog about my article. That's right. fine. You want to scoff at it? Yeah, right. there it is. Uh, All right. So I, if you wanted us to um, uh, put that in our show notes as well, we can do that. Um, that way people can go and read your article and then read some of these follow-up items that we're talking about and uh, yeah. and d then decide for themselves, basically, which is, you know, uh, a good thing to do. Yes. Yeah, that's... Uh, there have, have actually been uh, a number of people who uh, started out trying to disprove things about the Christian faith or the New Testament or the Bible as a whole and so on. And they end up 
for people who investigate the evidence, you know, that's that's the one thing I want people to do: investigate for yourself, weigh yeah. it, yeah. and and be try to be fair about it. Yeah. Well, well, that's really my story of recent years because I've been um, a believer for uh, probably um, uh, more than three decades, but it was only yeah. probably six six or seven years ago that I really investigated what what do I really believe. Um, yeah. And uh, it was uh, almost the last stand thing. Do 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 I really want to believe this, or do I want to, you know, drop it and 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 just move on with my life? And I found that the the more I dug, and the more I tried to disprove, uh, the more I ended up believing. So um, it's not such a bad thing, um, you know, to um, have a critical uh, a critical examination of why we believe what we believe. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and that way it also helps you give a better response when people ask because, yes. hey, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about me personally. I'm just saying, you know, universally we could say, hey, I, you know, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. I know uh, I understand where you're coming from. And it also helps us uh, empathize with others who aren't quite there yet, um, if you sure. know what I'm saying. so Yes, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I got to say, uh, here, when, as a librarian, when I consult with people and mm. help them find sources for their papers, uh, mm. I seem to attract the people who are on the fringes, right, right. <laughs> uh, Jewish people who are really good researchers, you know, and, right. and or, or, or um, folks who um, have questions. And yeah. that is wonderful. I, I love that. I love their, their sincerity and their honesty. Right. And um, if you wouldn't mind um, sharing with us, what was the article that you published today? Oh, that's actually, it's written for scholars. Um, there have been challenges to what I would call the historicity or the historical reliability of the Old Testament. Right. And there's, there's this wide open debate about it. Okay. And it was precipitated in 1992 by a couple of publications where people have said essentially, you know, if it's not confirmed by archaeology, we just, we just, we're going to assume that it's wrong, okay? Right. And so, so that kind of shook up the field, and uh, it, it's good because it um, the the debate has really brought out how do you write history? How do you weigh sources? Right. Uh, what what should count? Um, and and uh, it's going to change the field. It really it's going to strengthen, I think, the case for the truth of the Old Testament. Uh, the thing is. Nobody gets like uh, how can I say it? in the popular world. And when you when you write a popular level article, uh, if you publish something about oh yeah, fifty people in the Old Testament existed or fifty two, nobody gets excited about it. If you say Jesus existed, oh, wow, you're in a minefield. You're yes. gonna, it's like yes. trying to you know, walk across a battlefield when it's happening. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's very different. You get a, you're a lightning rod then. And, right. Uh, yeah, but Old Testament, sure. <laughs> yeah, there, like I said earlier, there, there's very little article, uh, argument about the Old Testament, isn't there? It seems to be we, we accept it. But when it comes to the New Testament and Jesus... Yeah, well, the Old Testament isn't going to shake up my life. Jesus right. is going to shake up my life. He's right. still controversial after right. two millennia. Yeah. Right. That's right. right. This is the one you published today. Uh, is that available online? Did you want to share that or... If you're really, if you're really a heavy-duty Old Testament scholar, you might be interested. It's not popular level. You have is there's technical vocabulary and all this. It's in the Journal of Religious and Theological Information. Right. And I had 
this is actually the fourth article I've written there. Uh, this one will come come out in let me think probably the June issue, okay. the one that I did this morning, which which actually summarizes the the two long articles. Uh, the two previous articles total something like eighty pages, right. and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to <laughs> inflict that on on people who are really not you know don't have the time when you know they're raising kids they they have two jobs or whatever it is i wouldn't say read that one but the one that comes out today journal of religious and theological information and i'm after it comes out let me think i'll have probably maybe 6 months or something like that before i can post it online right okay then no problem so, uh, i just thought i'd ask uh, if you wanted to share it that's all yeah right um the other thing that bart ehrman came up with was mm. he has two Two arguments for the historicity of Jesus, right. the historical Jesus. Yes. Uh, one is that Paul knew knew Jesus, uh, Jesus' brother James, and he knew Saint Peter. Okay, and then the other is the the gospel presents a Messiah who lost. He was yeah. crucified. Here, he, yeah. the Jews were the messianic expectation. Yeah. The Jews were all, all looking for a Messiah who would come with overwhelming force. He'd right. get rid of the Romans. He'd set right. up his kingdom with his throne at Jerusalem, and he would rule the world. Okay? Yes. Yes. And and here's this Jesus who shows up and gets crushed by Rome, right. crucified. Right. Okay. And that's that's not a good. How can I say? It's not a good sales pitch to win the Jewish nation. Good point. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> a very good that's, point. So that's the argument that uh, that Bart Ehrman uses, and it's it's true. Uh, it does take. Um, I'd, I'd say it takes a work of God and someone's heart and mind. Uh, I agree. Uh, actually, to believe, yeah. Okay, so uh, we'll, we will leave it there. Thank you for coming on to Like Flint Radio. I really enjoyed the discussion. I uh, really Thank enjoyed you. uh, your uh, b- both your articles. And as I, I've said a number of times, we'll put those links in there and people can go and look at them and read them for themselves. Um, so, Dr. Lawrence Mikitup, thank you for coming on to Like Flint Radio. Thank you so much, Garth. I, I loved hearing your testimony. I appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. Yeah, you too. All righty. Well, I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Dr. Mickey Took, uh, because I did. Um, now, back to the email I referred to earlier. Uh, Larry said that he would like our listeners to know that, like the New Testament, the Old Testament also calls on people to turn away from wrongdoing, trust in God, and adopt kind and good ways of living. It's just that most people are not as aware of that as they are of Jesus calling on them to do so. So his point is that um, Larry referred to himself as an Old Testament guy and um, he just wanted us to to know that that just as much as the New Testament calls on us to live in uh, certain ways, um, the Old Testament uh, does the same. So I think I agree with him there. Now, from me, I just wanted to add that part of my walk was an awakening to the truth that is in God's word. And that happened some years ago, and it was part of my personal investigation, part of my journey. Now, not all of us have the same journey. Um, I hope we all have the same destination, but obviously we don't all have the same journey. And, you know, often I, I emphasize the truth of God's word and the need to study it. Um, But of course I understand our faith should be in God and in his son. And I don't mean to indicate that understanding the Bible will mean that, you know, that you've found salvation just because you can, you know, read the Bible in whatever language and you know it backwards. Um, That doesn't mean that you're saved. We're justified by faith. 
Um, and to add to that, keep in mind that according to Romans 10, 17, uh, and I'll read that. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So for me, faith and God's word concerning Jesus go hand in hand. And I guess I should emphasize that a little bit, little bit more when I talk about these things. But I am very passionate about God's word uh, because um, I have been a Christian for many, many years, but but really have only come to know the truth of God's word in the last six or seven years. Anyway, if you have any comments or questions for Dr. Mickey Took about this uh, show, um, you can send them to me at gk at likeflintradio.com. That's all lowercase. And, uh, and I'll pass on any questions or comments that you have uh, for Dr. Mickey Took. I'll pass them on to him for you. Okay, well, that's it for now. I'm your host, GK. And until next time, God bless and hooroo. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed our show. You can find us on the web at www.lightflintradio.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at mail at lightflintradio.com. That's M-A-I-L at lightflintradio.com.